Mitzorah is my Bar Mitzvah parasha, so I'm very excited. Um, <laughs> Are you going to sing for us? <laughs> I lane I the parasha. You know, in those days it was not so common. It's not like in Israel where every, all the kids know how to do it. But, you know, I was an exceptional, exceptionally annoying child, so... My father tried to teach me how to lane, but it was hopeless, so we had to, he had to hire somebody. You know, which then later on I found that it's the correct thing to do, educationally. You know. But I don't think he felt that way. This year is sponsored by Eddie and Batya Jacobs in celebration of the birth of a granddaughter, Roni Batsion, born to Yos and Lisa. Eddie was a student in the yeshiva and uh, has gone on to achieve a certain amount of fame in uh, synagogue designs, interiors. He's a very sought-out uh, person. And uh, Batya works in that school, right? What's that school? Some school. She's also a well-known teacher. Anyway, I want to remind you. Uh, the parish of Shmini, the parish of Shmini doesn't just tell you that you should eat meat from kosher animals or kosher birds, but it actually lists names of animals that are edible and animal and birds that are anim, edible, and that's you know if you're a balcore, that's a little bit annoying. You have to learn. You have to learn these words that don't have any particular meaning to us today. Then, afterwards, in the parashiyot of Tazria Mitzorah, a lot of time is spent on describing what Tzorat is. Uh, Tzorat is often explained as some kind of leprosy, like oh, some kind of a disease of the skin, apparently very serious. But the Torah says you could have Tzorat in your clothing, you could have tzarat in your beget, in, in your body, and you could have tzarat in your house. Very strange that your house could also become filled with tzarat. And uh, it's the Kohen who has to decide whether the infection of tzarat is going to get worse, in which case drastic measures have to be taken, or uh, you can declare that the tzarat has kind of abetted and it'll be all right. So this is described at great length in the Torah. And the question that I would like to try to deal with is, why was this, these things, what was the importance of the Torah? I mean, you know, in, the, in Shabbat, the, even though there are many psukim in the Torah that talk about Shabbat, there's very little particular information about how to keep Shabbat in the Torah. Right, we know that there's the Labetet Blachot, which are derived, these are things that you're forbidden from doing on Shabbat, and that's derived from Lechat HaMishkan, but the actual Blachot are not mentioned in the Torah. The only thing that's mentioned in the Torah about Shabbat, which affects every one of us, every single week of the year, right, is, is Lotevaru Eish, because Moshevotechem Yomashvat, there's a prohibition against building a fire, making a fire on Shabbat. Of all the, 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 the prohibitions 
of all the prohibitions that are connected to Shabbat. All you have to do is look at a, a recently published compendium on Halchot Shabbat, which are, are usually very uh, dense and have a lot of information in them. If you just look at that book, you say, you wonder, how is it, like, what's the measure of it that, that Sarat is so carefully uh, described and, uh, and uh, uh, in the Torah? And, and Shabbat, for example, is not. Shabbat is not, uh, Yom HaKippurim is not. I mean, the Avodah, the Beit HaMikdash, yes, but not the Melachot that are Tzurot, right? Yom HaKippurim is like Shabbat with a little plus, like even more than Shabbat, because on Shabbat, it's forbidden to fast. But on Yom HaKippurim, we do fast, even if it's, even if it's on Shabbat. So there's, a, there's a, a Pasuk in the previous parasha. Uh, there's a prosecutor in the, in the previous parasha. No, let's start from, let's not do it that way. Let's start from our parasha, right? Vayikra perik yud bet. You see Vayikra perik yud bet? Vayidabe Hashem el Moshe leimor. It's at the bottom of the page. The bottom one. Bottom of the page. Vayidabe Hashem el Moshe leimor. Daber b'nei Yisrael leimor. Isha ki tazriyah. The Yaldazachar Tazriya somehow comes from the, the Hebrew word for Zerah, for seed. If she, she becomes pregnant, I guess it means, Yaldazachar, and she has a, uh, uh, a male child. Okay, there's, there's some kind of uh, uh, regulation about a woman who, has, who gives birth to a baby. If it's a male baby, there's one set of rules, and a female baby, there's, there's another set of rules. Okay, this is the introduction, the first pasuk, which introduces the, the laws of a birthing woman. Now look at Rashi. Rashi says, Omar Absimlai. Omar Absimlai, it was Rashi. Rashi looks at the situation. And he's going to quote something from Chazal, which he feels is going to clarify something. But what does Rashi say? Omar of Simlai, Kashem she yitziratoshel adam acha kol behema chayava ol b'maseb breshit. Just as when God created the world, right? When God created the world, so first animals, and only Friday afternoon. Did God create create man? Right? You see Adam. Man, I guess he means Rashi means or Absalai understands it's man and women. So he says, So too did the laws of Adam Torato. Torato shall Adam nit So Rashi quotes Rabbi Simlai because the question that Rabbi Simlai is dealing with seems to Rashi to be of great concern. And what is the question? What's the question Rabbi Simlai is dealing with? He doesn't understand why the parasha of Shmini, which is the parasha of animals and birds, which are kosher, and which are treif, which is tamei, and which is tahor, why that parasha comes before the parasha about 
people. When is a person Tameh? When is a woman Tameh? When is the Tzarat make you Tameh? Shouldn't that come before Shemini? That's what, that's what uh, uh, Rabbi Simlai is dealing with. And so Rabbi Simlai answers that question. And he says, just as, so too. Right, that's his answer. Just as in Masebre Sheet, the creation of the animals preceded the creation of man, right? And I can say, why? Why did the creation of animals precede the creation of, the creation of man? So you can say, uh, well, after all, man was supposed to come into a, a kind of finished world, a world in which he could live. And somehow the animals were there to service man. I'm not sure exactly how, because in Ganeiden, in Ganeiden, we were not carnivores exactly. We didn't, we couldn't slaughter animals to eat meat. We could, according to Tosot, a Tosot is an Hedrin, Tosot says you could, we were allowed in Ganeda, I mean we, we weren't there, but if we were there, we would be allowed to eat carrion. Right, you could, like if an animal killed an animal and had enough of it, then we could come along and get a steak out of, out of it. But we couldn't kill animals for food. And yet, most people would say, most people would say that the animals are created first so that the, when man came into the world on the sixth day, he would come into a finished world, a world in which he could live. Not, he wouldn't have to wait another day to be able to eat. So that's, what, that's why it is that Adam comes uh, after Behemoth in Maaseh Bereshit. So Rabbi Simlai, who had this in- insight, he said, In other words, there's of course no, no actual connection unless we could create one. I mean, so he says, just like that, so to here. In other words, in other words, what Rabbi Simlai is saying is that the Torah of Adam, the Torah, when it relates to Adam, somehow harkens back to the creation of the world itself. And that the creation of the world determined how Torah Adam should be presented to us. Now that is the, is the, the subject of our learning today, we have to try to understand what it was that Rabbi Simlai was talking about. I mean, it's true, what he says is true, that in the Maaseb Reshit, the animals came before, before, before man. But why should that determine in the book of Ayikra whether you talked about kosher, unkosher animals before or after you talked about Tomei and Tohor as relating as relating to man. Okay, now let's look at the first, the first source. We go back to a passage that we already learned about. Uh, remember, the passage in Shmini. This was, the, according to Rashi, the, the prize that Aaron got for Vayidom Aaron. He accepted the fate that was dealt his children, and not, he didn't say anything, and his, his reward 
was that the prohibition of Yayid v'Sheichar for Kohanim was given to him. Right? He's the one who passed it on. By the Be'ashem Aaron Lemor, the only Torah that was not given first to Moshe Rabbeinu and then to Bnei Israel. This was given first to Aaron. That's what Rashi Rashi says. Okay, Al Teish Atal Vanecha Itach Bevoachem El Ol Moed Velo Tamutu Chagadolam LeDorotachem. So you know the Gemara, of course, discusses what the what the precise definitions are here. How much wine? During the day, during the night, before you do the avoda, if you if you might be called for the avoda, all of these possibilities are discussed in the Gemara in Taanit on this on this particular question. But what we're interested in, I think, is the next pasuk, and the next pasuk says lahavdil bein hakodesh uvein hachol uvein hatamei uvein hatahor lahavdil. What is lahavdil? What is love deal to, to distinguish? To distinguish what exactly is the, the Torah talking about? The Torah uh, very often tells us to do something or to avoid doing something, but doesn't say love deal. What's the love deal? So Rashi says, Rashi translates. Let's look at the, just want to look at the, uh, the, the Rashi and Pasuk Yud, love deal. Avodah is Avodah service in the temple that is acceptable, that is proper. And Michulelet is like the word Chol, right? Non sacred. So Avodah Michulelet is what the Gemara calls Pasul. It just doesn't work. It has to be done over again, right? You can't do that. So Rashi says, look at it, Rashi. You should distinguish between Avodah Kedoshah and What do you mean that you should distinguish? I mean, the Torah tells you. If you drink wine or whiskey or whatever Shekhar is, uh, if you drink, then it's no good. And if you don't drink, it is good. So what is it exactly that you have to be mavdil? What do you, what do you have to mavdil? Rashi, In other words, as I said, the Gemara says, how much wine? What hour of the day? Are you, are you definitely going to do the Avodah in that day and on on the next day? Are you going to be called? So Lahavdil is not about it itself. Don't drink wine, do we? Right? But Lahavdil is, we could call it further study. Right? All of these ideas demand precision. Precision is the one thing, is the one thing, which in the generation, I mean, whatever you say, you can say the Torah is the Torah and nothing ever changes, everything's always the same and always, we always do, I mean, accept it, accept all of that. But one thing you have to admit, that precision changes so that uh, as you, as you, uh, uh, you find out that on the night of Pesach, you have to drink a cup of wine. Right, and the cup of wine has to be a certain size. And then lo and behold, you find out that that certain size has evolved over the generations. Now, 
it's evolved for two reasons. One is because greater precision, however it's measured, and the other is greater precision also produces greater nervousness. In other words, you're no longer so certain that the way your grandfather did it is the way you should do it. Suddenly you think, well, you know, maybe we have a further obligation. So that's called, that according to Rashi, is called lahavdil. Lahavdil. When, where, how, precision, precision, all of that has to do with, I'll, I'll listen in a second, okay, just one second. Precision is a, uh, is a movable feast, right? It changes all the time. I remember when I was in college 50 years ago. No. Scratch that. <laughs> Not even close. Uh, when, I was, when I was in college, I, I, uh, I studied chemistry for a while because, as all Jewish boys thought at the time, I was going to be a doctor. So you're supposed to take chemistry if you're going to be a doctor. So I took this course called qualitative analysis. So the interesting thing, I mean, I wasn't that interested, but the interesting thing was that everybody got a scale. I never saw anything like it. Like, you know, the measurements were, I mean, today, of course, they digitalize it and they do it with lasers and that. There's no comparison. But in my day, in my day, that was very remarkable. So I learned, I learned, I got, uh, I understood that when they say, when they say kazayit, it became suddenly a, a, a term that was fraught with doubt. You, would you ever be able to figure it out? Would you ever be able to figure out what a kezayat is? I mean, it's, uh, it's uh, inconceivable. Yes, I'm sorry. No, I, I, I thought maybe it, it's the context. The, 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 instead of conditions or precision, it's the context in which you make the distinctions. The, the what do you mean? The meaning concept. Yeah. It's all example. Most human beings are rational, right? I haven't met most of so them. Whatever, whatever rational means. Yeah, well, so if we don't know what it means, so we can say yes. No, but, 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 but when you use the term rationality in gate theory, it means one thing. If you mean it for human being, human being cannot be completely rational. But so everybody... Because, because there is a robot. I'm not talking about rational, I'm talking about measurements. Measure, okay, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Thank you. It says, Lahavdil, the Pesach says, Lahavdil, and I say that this word implies that there's a lot of work left to do. It's not just what it says in the Torah, but measurements and, 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 uh, and details, uh, what we call, what we call Torah Shabal Peh, is all implied in this word lahavdil to distinguish. You have to distinguish things one from the other. Now, look at the next source. The next source is, again, the last psukim of Parashat Shmini. The last psukim of Parashat Shmini. It says, Al tishaktu et nafshotechem mekol asheretz asheretz. Tishaktu, the sheretz, right? Don't, uh, don't make yourself uh, filthy in some way with these little crawl, crawling things that are draped. You know, there are little crawling things that are kosher, but <coughs> most of them are not. So, why stay away? Because <laughs> And 
and you should not become Tamei. The, the word Tamei is also a word that, is, that deserves Tamei Tahor. That distinction deserves consideration because it means somehow uh, not being clean and not being good, not being right. But we're not interested. We're interested in the word Lahavdil, right? Rashi says, I'll take shaktsu He says the Pasuk is not talking about touching them, but it's talking about eating them. Okay, so Rashi tells us, gives us some important information about this Pasuk. Pasuk Mem Dalit. This is one of the most difficult Pasukim in the Torah. Somehow, that's the word kadosh, right? Hitpael form, which means something or other. We know that hitpael is often reflexive, like hitlabashti, I dressed myself, right? Hitkadishtem. You shall make yourself kadosh by following this, these rules. V'yitem kedoshim, and you will be declared kadosh. Ki kadosh ani, that's the difficult part. That somehow we're asked to compare the kedusha that we have but not eating worms and, and, and crickets or something. Crickets are kosher? Something is kosher. Don't the Yemenites eat that stuff? Locusts. Oh, locusts they eat? Some. They make it like into a, like a frying pan. Uh, it's good? Cooks. Locusts? How do you get just a couple of locusts? They, they're like, you either can take a million or, uh, or, or none. Okay, I mean, I mean, I understand the general idea, but the, the, the reference to, to Kedusha is not so clear to me. Rashi says, Okay, I don't know. You know, Rashi thought he was helpful. He's not helpful to me. I don't understand what that means to say. What it means to say that just as I am, so you too, if you're talking about a Kodesh Bochu, I mean, if you're talking about an action, like something you have to do, I can understand. I do what God says, and then you'll be a servant of God. But do what God says, and you'll be Kadosh? That I don't understand. Now look at the next Pasuk, which is the Pasuk that interests me in particular. Ki ani Hashem. Ki. Ki is a connecting word. Right, which kind of explains what came before, even though we don't understand necessarily what is going to be explained. <speaking in Hebrew> Who brings you up out of the land of Mitzrayim. <speaking in Hebrew> and so you will be Kadosh. That's why you were taken out of Mitzrayim. Ki Kadosh Ani. Ki Kadosh Ani. Okay, Rashi. Rashi. Ki ani Hashem ha'maletchem. You see that Rashi? I am God who brought you up out of Mitzrayim. Hashem says, Al menat, in order that, 
I brought you up out of Mitzrayim in order that you should accept the mitzvot. And by accepting the mitzvot, you will be granted the status of Kadosh. Cain, Davar Acher. This Davar Acher is uh, textually problematic uh, and appears in a lot of the older editions of Rashi in parentheses. But uh, it doesn't matter. As far as we're concerned, it's like regular Rashi. We just not perfectly sure. I mean, you know, you know, Rashi lived long before printing, and printing is what kind of standardized the text of the holy books. Before printing, there was copying, and copying uh, doesn't always work perfectly. Copying doesn't work perfectly, and. Uh, and even in the time of Rashi, I mean, the time of Rashi and the Gemara, Rashi very often corrects the standard Nusach in the Gemara, which then again was corrected by printers. The Gemara was corrected by the printers according to Rashi. So you have the odd situation where you read the Gemara and then Rashi says, this is the way you should read the Gemara. And you look at the Gemara, and that's exactly the way we read it. In other words, the, the printers corrected the Gemara according to the correction of Rashi. So you have this kind of anomalous situation in the, in the text of the, of the Gemara. So now, so we don't care about that. It's there, but we don't care about it. Davar Acher. Davar Acher. When Rashi says, Davar Acher, you should always be nervous. Right? Because, you know, why, why two commentaries? Why two comments? Why not one comment? What's the Davar Acher? Is it better than the first? Is it not as good as the first? Why did Rashi put it in? But we have to learn it first. Right? Davar Acher, about that part of the Pasuk, it says, who brought you up out of Mitzrayim. Rashi says that if you look I mean, in, in, the, in the unedited Rashi, it says Rabbi, Yish, Rabbi Yishmoel said this. But okay, so it's missing here. This, uh, this must be the Barilah. Bikulam Ketivot Tzeti. Every time HaKadosh Baruch Hu mentions himself, so to speak, in relation to Yitziat Mitzrayim, he always says, Asher Tzeti Etchem Mi Eretz Mitzrayim. You know how Tzeti is Mu'uzan. Uh, Mu'uzan? Unach, you know, horizontal. Otsaiti is from Egypt to Har Sinai. Always says, Otsaiti etchem. Here is the only place, the only place, the Kanktiv HaMa'aleh. No, it is Rabbi Yishmael. Kanktiv HaMa'aleh. God brought you up. So it's a question. God didn't bring us up, God brought us out. Right from, from Mitzrayim to Har Sinai. God did not bring us up out of Mitzrayim into the clouds. Why, why is it that in this place and this place alone the Torah says, So Tana Devei Rabbi Yishmael is the Rabbi Yishmael who is the antagonist of Rabbi Akiva. Right, Rabbi Akiva was very uh, uh, detailed in his drashot on the Torah. He was willing to darshan even prepositions. 
you know, prepositions in Hebrew don't necessarily mean anything. But Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva was willing to dash in prepositions, and Rabbi Ishmael generally was not. But here Rabbi Ishmael comes up with a drasha. Remember Dayenu? On Pesach, everybody loves Dayenu because it has a tune and it signifies that you're about to eat. <laughs> Those are two good reasons. Two good reasons. And the people wonder what, what all that stuff before Dayenu is for, you know. But uh, uh, this is what he says. He, Rabbi Ishmael, says, he says, that doesn't mean the nation of Israel was physically uh, uh, exalted, but they were spiritually enlivened by Yitziat Mitzrayim. And why does that Pasuk appear here? It is because the nature of Torah is that even if they only had received this prohibition, that they should not eat the creepy little things that other people eat, they would have already ex felt and exalted the exalted nature of their relationship to God. So even though it seems strange to us, that anybody would say, like in Dayenu, Ilu Kervanu Lifnei Har Sinai Velo Natan Lanu Torah. If that's not a showstopper, then I don't know what is a showstopper. I mean, the whole point was to go to Har Sinai. How can somebody say a thing like that? I mean, the author of that, of that piyut. But there it is. Ilu Kervanu Lifnei Har Sinai Velo Natan Lanu Torah. So what did Rabbi Ishmael say? Rabbi Ishmael says, look, if you, if you cut down uh, the process of Bnei Yisrael leaving Mitzrayim step by step by step. So you know that along the way they were given directives and they were offered information and they were, they were uh, uh, reconstituted. It wasn't just the slave one day became the receiver of the Torah the next. He, had to, he was processed. He was processed. And so we, we understood that the Torah was not just a take it or leave it kind of a, of a setup, but but Torah was every step of the way a, a, a something exalted. And then the last pasuk, if you look at the last pasuk of this group, it says Labdil again ben atameu ben atahor ben achayah neachelad doin achayah shelot yachel lahavdil. So what is lahavdil? What is lahavdil? The way we explain lahavdil means to look into it, to investigate it. Which shratzim? How much can you eat? What can you eat? What can you not eat? And was, this is this is all about this is all about lehavdil. So we have lehavdil by Yayin b'Sheichar, and we have again lehavdil here by Tamei v'Tahor, right? And if you look at the at the text of the Nitziv, the Hamek Davar, that is printed right here, we'll read a couple of lines. Lehavdil ben Tamei ben Tahor. Remember that pasuk. Pasuk Mem Zayin, right? Lavdil Ben Atamei Vetor. The pasuk we just read. What does the Nitziv say? The Nitziv says, "Who mitzvah say? What's a mitzvah say? The mitzvah say is before. Don't eat this. That's uh, eat that. That's the mitzvah. So what do you mean? Lavdil is a mitzvah say. What's the mitzvah say? 
להגדיר, הוא מצוות עשה לחקור ולבדוק כל שהוא ספק. That we know that there are animals that are not listed in the list. And there are animals that don't obviously fit into the regulation, you know, split hoof and uh, chew your cud. And, and, and there are all kinds of strange animals in the world we have discovered. And all kinds of strange, uh, uh, um, you know, shratzim in the world. So he says, So he says, means for further study. Lavdil, according to the Nesiv, means look, just because you got to listen to the Torah doesn't mean that you know everything, that you can answer all the questions. You may have heard there are people who didn't want to eat hodu. Uh, what do you call that? Turkey. They wanted to eat turkey, but turkey's not in the list, and they didn't have turkeys in Europe, and they never saw the turkey, a turkey. So Rabbanim came to America, and they saw, that they saw these turkeys running around, and hey, they, they never saw it before. They never saw such a thing in their lives. So they said, no, you can't eat turkeys. Turkeys, of course, were saved in America by Thanksgiving because somebody posked that you have to eat a turkey on Thanksgiving. So they became kosher. Ken. Just an idea occurred to me about Havdona that we make. Havdona we call it the home that all the Chavosh have been Israel or Amin. Yeah. Now, when you saw it all, I mean, behavior. In Kodesh Lachon, you have to have more discernment. It, it, it really... I like that. But I may, I may oh. steal it from you a little bit later. <laughs> no, okay? That, I like, but I like it. You should it's good. Write your book on that. Okay. okay. A guy was going along in the desert. That going along in the desert means he has no one to ask. There's no one that he can talk. He's hungry, right? He found some animal and the, the hooves are, are, are like, they look like they cut. doesn't look like they originally were split. So, so you have to look into it. You have to look into it. That's the whole point of lahavdil. That, that's what the chief says. Lahavdil means for further study. For further study. That's part of the deal. That's part of the deal of Talmud Torah. Talmud Torah is not the Shulchan Aruch. It's not do this, don't do that. But it's, here's the general position. You have to figure out how it applies to particular cases all the time. The same thing is true about Yayin V'Sheichar. And the same thing is now true about, about Shratzim and, and Kashrut. Afilu. Now he, he says a technical thing. It's well known that the Rambam had this position, this fake min ha-Torah, mutar min ha-Torah. If you have a Torah prohibition and you don't know if the thing you're looking at fits into that Torah prohibition, it's a fake. A suffake means that you'll never be able to know. You can't clarify it. If you can clarify it, it's not a suffake. It's just that you don't, you know, you're just too stupid to know the answer. So you have to ask somebody else. But a suffix means no hope. There's no hope of ever, ever clarifying it. So the Rambam said 
that when the Torah said something, it's asur, it meant vaday asur. If it's not vaday asur, it's mutar. Or it would be mutar, midrabona would be also. But that's what, that was the position of the Rambam. That's how the Sheikh Schmeitzer starts his famous book. Right? There's the, the Rambam and the Rashbo. The Rashbo says, Sovik midoraisa is asur midoraisa. And the Rambam says, Sovik midoraisa is mutar midoraisa. So he says, even according to the Rambam, right? He says, even according to the Rambam, who said Safek is Mutar, but that's only if you've run out of any possibility of clarifying it. If you haven't, just because it was like declared a Safek doesn't mean anything. You have to, you have to do it, right? Etc. So this is what this is what he says. This is what the the, the, the Nitziv says. Okay, now let's turn the page. Let's turn the page. Just want to remind you of some sukim. Uh, some sukim in uh, in Breshit. Breshit paralo kimet hashamayim vet haaretz. Remember that pasuk? There's the word et. The word et, which doesn't have any obvious meaning. Right? The grammarians call it a direct object marker. In other words, the word et is always followed by a direct object. But you could leave out the word et. It means the same thing. You don't need an et to determine that something is a direct object. You could say, the, in Hebrew, it would be the same if you said "Breishit Baralokim Shamayim Vaaretz." Wouldn't be any diff- Wouldn't be any difference in its meaning or in its correctness. Both are equally correct. Vaaretz Aita Tovavo. Okay, Tovavo. What does Tovavo mean? Yes. What? What does it mean? Desolate. Desolate. I don't know, you, it's very hard to translate things. You don't understand the word in Hebrew, you don't understand the word in English. <laughs> what, what does desolate mean? It's like a building or a, a, a desert? Who cares? I don't know. Rashi says, Tohu l'shon taf mem hei tama v'shimamon sh'adam tohe u'mishtomeim al bohu sheba. It was Rashi's entry. He, he wants to tell you what Tovavo means, but he also wants to tell you why you have to have two words to express one idea. Uh, I don't know what the one. I think that one of the one the one idea we will see in a minute. But I don't. I don't get it so much from Rashi. Bohu l'shon rekut vitzadu. Rekut maybe is what you said. Desolate, empty, empty. I don't know if you mean. It was once filled with something, and now it's empty, or it's just empty. I, I don't see it that way. I'll, I'll tell you what I think it means in a, me, in a minute. Uh, so the Pesach the said, Ruach Elohim merachevet al penei hamayim. So it sounds like the, the world is covered by water. Ruach Elohim, the spirit of God, is hovering over the water, which is covering the, the earth. So, Ruach HaLokim Merachefet, Rashi says, Kisei HaKavod Omeid Ba'avir Umerachef Al Pnei HaMayim 
ברוך פיו של הקדוש ברוך הוא ובמאמרו. I know you never saw this Rashi in your lives, right? Because it's hard to get through the first Pasuk to get to the second Pasuk, you know? Like, so look at what Rashi says. If you saw the Rashi, you would never forget it. You wouldn't understand it, but you'd never forget it. What do you mean to say, Ruach Lehmerachefet? Hovers. Hovers. You can't be everywhere and also hover. Hover means you are somewhere. Meaning that you don't want to say that. You don't want to say that God is not everywhere. What? I always thought it just means moving, like a... Yes, but what... Well, let's say you could see it. You would see something let's moving, see right? Waves, or... No, but it would have to have limits. But Otherwise, you wouldn't see anything. Did you see the ocean doesn't have limits? It doesn't? Well, not when you look at it. That's part of the, what it says here in the... Could we... Uh, would you say God was hovering over everything? I mean, uh, you could say you could say whatever you want, but I want to see what Rashi says. Look at Rashi. Rashi says Rashi apparently had trouble with this. So Rashi quotes Chazal, who say kisei hakavod. What's kisei hakavod? Something that has a limit, right? A kisei. In order to say it's a kisei, it has to look like a kisei. In order for it to look like a kisei, it has to be limited. Right, Kiseya Kavod. There's such a thing as Kiseya Kavod. Omeid Ba'adir stands in the air. Umerachev Abnei Amayin hovers over the water. Beruach Piv Shel Hakadosh Baruch Hu and the wind that comes out of the mouth of Hakadosh Baruch Hu and his words. Kiyonaha Merachevet Al Haken, like a dove hovering. Over his uh, yes. So I want to understand what is Rashi. What is Rashi dealing with? What problem is Rashi dealing with? With problem Merachefet, because Merachefet implies a limit, and you don't want to say that God has a limit. So what did Rashi do? He substituted for God. He substituted Kisei Hakavod. Kisei Hakavod. Oh. There's a concept that exists someplace that there's a Kisei HaKavod. Kisei HaKavod. You can look at, you can see, you can touch, you can see it hovering and, uh, you know, over the, over the world. What's the show ratio of Murachefet? Murachefet? Reish Chet Pei. Yeah, what, what does it mean? I don't know. <laughs> we all think it means to hover. To hover. I don't know. Yeah, that's the translation. I don't know too much about what words mean. It's very hard for me. You like this Einfall. What, what? An Einfall. You know what an Einfall is? Wow. <laughs> yeah. What an Einfall. But it appears again in Devarim, only one other place in the Torah Tanakh. But appears only one other place in the Tanakh, in Devarim, where it says an eagle hovers over its nest. That's why Rashi pulls down this example. Yes, okay. But the point is, the point is that you could say something about God's presence even before the creation. I mean, that's what, that's what the, this Pesach is saying, that there is, you, that just like after creation, we can determine that there's a Mishkan and that there's a Beit HaMikdash and that it, even though it runs contrary to our assumption about God's presence, which is universal always, it's always 
always there. Nevertheless, we can talk about it just as the Torah tells us that is the case before creation. Before creation. Even though, even though you know, uh, I'm with you, I'm with you. Even though you know that, that uh, we determined someplace along the line that creation was yesh mi'ayin. Right? Something from nothing. Ex nihilo. Something from nothing. So that means before creation, what was there before creation? Nothing. Nothing. Very good. Nothing. And therefore, if you look, you can find in Hasidut, including Rav Nachman, talks about the fact that God had no limits. And that's what nothing means. Something is always limited. In order to say, it's a table. You say, well, here's a table. Here's no table. Right? That's called... That's called a limit. But before there were limits, before there was creation, there was nothing. And nothing is limitless. There's no, no way to... So here... Huh? Halala Panui. It's Panui. What are you, are you asking or telling? If you're asking, I'll try to figure out what the question is, but if you're telling, thank you very much. <laughs> just a minute, doctor, just a minute. Just a minute. I got to read two more psukim. Can I read two more psukim? No. I know you want to leave, right? No, I, I, I don't want to take up another minute of your time. After the year is over, I would like the opportunity to tell you what I thought. <laughs> okay, fine. But I'm always interested in Einfeld. So here, Pasuk Dalit. Look at Pasuk Dalit. Vayar Elokim et ha'or ki tovayavdel Elokim ben ha'or ben ha'choshek. You see that? Vayar Elokim et ha'or ben ha'choshek. Now that word vayavdel in Breshit is an important word in my opinion. Because we all know that the, that the Kabbalah, that the, that the, uh, the Arizal, said that creation, creation is done with four words. Aleph, Bet, Yud, Ayin. I'm sorry for mentioning Kabbalah. I know you probably don't like that. But Kabbalah, Aleph, Bet, Yud, Ayin. What are the words? Aleph is Amar. Right? Bet is Bara. Breshit Bara Elokim. Yud is Yatsar, Vayitzer Hashem Elokimet Adam, and Abia, and Ayin, what's Ayin? Asiya. What? Asiya. Asa. So those are the words that are generally used to, to express Bria, Yesh Yesh, but something new. But there's another kind of creation. There's the creation of Vayavdel, which does not create something new, but establishes boundaries. It says, here is the water, and here is the dry land. Now, before Kodesh Bochum divided up the world between water and dry land, it was all there, right? There was water that covered up everything. So Vayavdel, Vayavdel in this case means that God uh, uh, distinguished that God distinguished. Pasuk vav, vayomel kim yirekiyah betoch hamayim vimavdil, 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 right? Mavdil means 
to distinguish the above from the below. It was blue above and blue below, but it was not the same. But so Zayin, this is just a list of Sukim. Vayas Elokim et Rakia. So it means that, what does it mean? That, that a person, that there's something that we're going to be involved with. We're going to be able, we're going to have to find out when is Yom and when is Lila? As you know, I mean, today it seems like an easy thing. You take the calendar that somebody sent you in the mail and it tells you when candle lighting is and when Shabbos goes out. But this is the result of a tremendous enterprise, not of the guy who made the calendar, but a tremendous enterprise during the years, where, you know, over years where we tried to figure out when Shabbat, when Zricha is and when Shkiah is, which we now do for every day of the year, for every place in the world, for every city and every place in the world, and soon it'll come in every neighborhood, in every city in the world. And even though the distinctions are small, they make us feel good about it, because we're doing the right thing, right? We're trying to be precise, which is what we mentioned earlier. Now, etc. Pasuk Yudchet, the last pasuk that I mentioned, all in pasuk, all in Perak Aleph. So there's a lahavdil in the creation, which is different than alabed yud ayin. Alabed yud ayin is something from something, according to the Ramban. The Ramban said that that uh, that the creation of yeshbi ayin took place at one moment. Something was created, and all the other creations are something from something. That something, that yesh that was created was then the basis for the creation of everything else. This is the Rabban explains at the beginning of his commentary to, to, uh, to the Perak Aleph of Reshit. Lahavdil is something else. It's there. It's just not, not properly organized. And we see that the word Lahavdil imposes itself upon us in history. That HaKadosh Baruch said, Here's the land, here's the water. But we have to figure out what do we do with the tides. We have to figure about ownership, about, about, about agriculture. Right? We, can't, we can't leave it as it is, right? You see that some places they made ducts that brought the water, and some places they had pipes and something. You know, everything was, everything that is lahavdil created problems, created problems in the Torah. Finally, let's look at the, the Hamek Davar on this Pasuk, Pasuk Dalit. He says clearly, The word Lahavdil has two meanings in Hebrew. That's what he's talking about, it's Hebrew. Aleph, uh, A curtain that divides two areas, two things, two times, like a mechitza. A mechitza is lahavdil between one side and the other side, right? There's the, there's the men's side of the mechitza, woman's side of the mechitza. That's what a mechitza is. He says, Even though, oh, I'm sorry, I skipped a few words. Bet, the second meaning is, 
הבדל רוחני בין שני דברים. A spiritual distinction between two different things and they're in the Chusha Ayin Shem Shavim. It would seem that they are actually similar. What is he talking about? He's talking about Shratzim as opposed that you can eat as opposed to those you can't eat. Animals you can eat as opposed that you, to those you can't eat. A person who's Tameh as opposed to a person who's Tahor. All of these things, right? There's no difference to us before the Torah, no difference if it's a camel or if it's a cow. I mean, what difference does it make to us? I mean, you should be able to eat either. For example, Havdalah, which is what was, somebody said it. Havdalah, you say Havdalah, a doctor, you said it. Havdalah means to distinguish between Kodesh and Chol. That's what we do. We say, up to now it's Friday, and all of a sudden it becomes Shabbos. Right? We have, we have, uh, he says, after all, ask any non-Jew, is there any difference in Friday and, and Saturday? No difference. They're both days of the week. So that he says, uh, he says that there is an interpret. The rest of the of the deceive, I'm not sure I agree with, so I'm not going to quote it. So he says, what he says is that the notion of Havdalah is in fact also something, something spiritual, means something that I can't identify easily, something that goes beyond science. Right? All science is based on, starts out from this idea that you can make distinctions, like the, 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 the the chemical elements. Right? Somebody had to find them before you could take a step further. Or elementary laws of thermodynamics, right? They, they, it all comes from, from uh, uh, observation, from looking. It's, it's the talent, it's the talent that we have. So if I go back to the beginning of our Sheur, and we look at the Pasuk of Vayikra, Perikut Beis, Remember that posok? That's our parsha. That's the posok in our parsha. So Rashi quotes Rabbi Sinlai. So Rashi says, "There's a question: Should the Torah talk about man slash woman before the Torah talks about animals and fish and 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 and?" and and uh, creepy little things. Shouldn't it do that? <coughs> they said, no. What the Torah is telling us is that we are granted a special insight. And that insight is called, is named Lahavdil. We can distinguish Tamei from the Torah. Of course, we're directed by the Torah. But we have this ability to know that there could be distinctions beyond our capacity to, to know them. It is not everything is judged, not everything is judged because like, like if, you, if you study anything, any subject you study, so you say, 
Well, uh, 400 years ago they said this, but today we say this. We understand that there's always progress, there's always change, and therefore there's no reason to think that there are things that we don't understand, that we might understand someday, and the Torah gives us a shortcut to understanding. So the Torah said, for some reason, eat a cow, don't eat a camel. Is that correct? Not just to eat a camel, right? Don't eat a camel. So he said, I don't know why. I don't know, but it makes sense to me that there could be a reason. There could be, I mean, all the attempts up to now to grant, to figure it out, have been futile. But I imagine that there might be a reason. There might be a reason that, that will become clear to me. Because this lahavdil is, after all, a process. There are things I understand today that I didn't understand 400 years ago. So why shouldn't I be able to think to imagine that I will be able to understand this as well. Just as the Torah said, Yayin v'Sheichar, etc. I was able to understand when the Kohanim can do it and when they can't do it and what they should do and, and, and give limits and, and make it part of the Shulchan Aruch. I mean, I was able to do that. The same thing is true about cr- cr- creeping animals. The same is true about doubtful animals. I was able to, to solve the, that problem. So I may be someday able to solve the bigger problems as well. And certainly, I learn all of this from the creation of the world, that lahavdil, even though it's not one of the four words that the, the Kabbalists uh, liked so much, but lahavdil is part of the process that God, with which God created the world. And therefore, if I say to myself, and so why? So why does the Torah tell us that? The Torah tells us because creation, creation becomes a model. Right? Why does the Torah tell us about creation bichlal? That's Rashi's question. Be why does the Torah just tell us, care the mitzvahs? You know, don't do mitzvahs. Do the right thing. Don't don't mess around. What do you have to sit around and study about about the creation of the world, which is certainly a difficult subject and a, a, a more difficult for us to understand because. The creation of the world gives us certain guidelines about how we should live our lives. So what did Rabbi Simlai say? What did Rabbi Simlai say? You know why the Torah of man slash woman comes after the Torah of animals? To remind us, to remind us that intellectually and spiritually we're connected to the creation. We are the result of the creation. While we may not understand everything, that had to do with creation, but we move in that direction all the time. We understand things better and better. And, uh, and okay, so that's uh, Tazria and Zora. I'm still missing why the man is last, why people are last. Because that's how the creation was. But I thought that they were going to tell us, I thought they, this was to explain. And to remind us, no, to remind us that Tamei Tahor and Mitzorah and not Mitzorah are somehow part of this Lahavdil that we, that really makes, it's not just a Boy Scout manual. It's not just, if you do this, then God will reward you. I don't understand why that has to be, why that can't come before the animals. I guess it could. But Rabbi Simlai, I don't know if it couldn't, but Rabbi Simlai thought it was in order to remind us of what was going on in creation. That this is all a matter of lahavdil. And lahavdil is part of the way that God created the world. Okay.